visualization process. We did a lot of visualization work. He would make me sit down with him and he would kind of walk me through what visualization looks like and uh, kind of like putting yourself in situations so I could see what I wanted when I went back to college, feeling that feeling of ACC championship. What did it look like? What did it take? Up Basketball is proud to bring you Mental Buckets, a show about professionals in sports, the stories behind their careers, and the mental toughness needed to get to the next level. This podcast is sponsored by Up Basketball. Through basketball, we strive to develop hardworking and mentally tough individuals who understand their potential is unlimited. For more information on our basketball skills training, check out our website, upbtraining.com. And I'm Packy Turner, player development coach and co-founder of Up Basketball. And I'm Mike Franco, the mental skills coach with the Dallas Mavericks and Texas Legends. Joining us this week is Justin Anderson. Originally from Virginia, he chose to stay home and go to the University of Virginia for college. In 2015, he was drafted in the first round by the Dallas Mavericks. I met Justin for the first time after his rookie season on a Nike tour in China, where I happened to be out there with Aaron Gordon for the same tour and for Yao Ming's charity game. When I saw Justin play in Yao's charity game, I saw the passion and joy that he played with and just how fun and full of energy he was. It wasn't until 2019 that Justin and I worked together for the first time and he came out to the Bay Area to train. Now, the Justin I met in 2019, he had grown, he had matured, and you could just see that he had truly found himself. It was also there that he met Mike for the first time, and after one of our workouts, Mike led him through a guided meditation. Justin tells us a story about his cousin that plays in the NFL and how he taught him how to visualize and really approach his preparation as a professional would. And I also loved his definition of what a great teammate is. Please remember to share, like, subscribe, and comment on this podcast. Thank you for listening. Mike and I talked and we feel like you've been through a lot and, and your young career. Um, yep. But you, you like... Since I've known you and met you, um, I've seen a lot of growth and I feel like you're you're trending in the direction of, you know, overcoming it all and getting back to where you wanted to be. You know what I mean? So I, yeah. I feel like it's a story that should be told and uh, we'd love to, you know, dive into it all. All right. I appreciate that. Yes, sir. So let's uh, go ahead and get started here, man. So, Justin, uh, you know, growing up, when did you kind of. You know, how, how did you get introduced to basketball and when did you kind of fall in love with it? Um, I, I was introduced because my parents, um, my pops played basketball. My mom was a cheerleader for her high school, met my pops. And uh, so they met through the game, essentially. Uh, they had my older brother and sister. My sister's the oldest. My sister played. Um, obviously, I wasn't around to see what that life was like, but I heard a few stories. My brother played as well. Um, and then along came me and I was traveling to my sister's tournaments and traveling to my brother's games and um, going to his college games before it was really my time or my parents' time to put focus into me with the sport. Um, but I was introduced just right in the front yard of my house. I lived in the country. Um, I've, I've told this part of the story so many times. The population of the town that I was in it was about 350 people, so it wasn't too much to do. Um, the, the kids in the area would just ride their bikes to each other's houses and play football, um, you know, uh, baseball, backyard baseball, play basketball in front of houses. Our house was the house to come and play basketball in front of. When did you think that, uh, like, this might be your path? Was there a time where it kind of clicked, like, man, I'm, I might really be able to do this? Yeah, I remember 
um, no one in my area when I was before I went to Marshalls. I was in seventh. I was in sixth grade actually, sixth grade, and I wanted to play seventh grade basketball. You only in Virginia, you only can play seventh grade. At least when I was coming through, you only can play middle school basketball in seventh and eighth grade. So in sixth grade, I was trying to do everything I could I could do to play, and it was like the most frustrating year because I couldn't play, and I used to stay after and and watch the game. Sometimes I couldn't even stay and watch just because I was so irritated that I couldn't play, but. Um, you had to wait a whole sixth grade year before you could play middle school basketball. And I think that's what I knew that like, I'm really trying to do this. I'm, I'm really trying to play every chance I get, try to prove that I'm good or I'm the best every chance that I get. And then seventh grade came and I got to finally play. Um, and, and we went undefeated, played really well. I remember wearing a big man number 55, uh, looking back at that picture in my head. Nice. But, um, <laughs> But uh, you know, you know how it is in middle school. Though. The numbers go, the sizes go based off the numbers. Mm-hmm. You know, I was the biggest one probably, so it's like fifty-five. You gotta have this. So, um, you know, and then eighth grade came, and, uh, and we had to go to court to uh, try to get me approved to play JV basketball for the high school up the street. So, when we went through that whole process, and uh, I kind of got like a, some local notoriety, and you know, at the time I already had some national stuff. I think I was like top 10 in the country is like an eighth grader or something. Um, but when, when that started to happen, I got like this feature and all of my friends drove by watching me do like this photo shoot. And I was like, all right, I got to make it now. Like this is it's a lot of pressure. <laughs> so, you know, eighth grade is when I really set my goal on uh, making it to the league. That's, see, that's a lot. That's a lot at a young age to have one, that pressure on you. Um, and two, you know, the, those eyes starting to really come your way. How did you at that age, was there, you know, did it ever get to you? Did it affect you in any way? I would honestly be lying if I said it didn't affect me, but I think it affected me in the right places for the most part. Um, you know, it's almost one of those situations where you know the eyes are on you, so you hold yourself to a higher standard. My family didn't necessarily have to teach me how to go about everything. Um, they figured just because I was around the guys that I was around as far as top players in the country um, already, like I kind of watched how they handled it, the Brad Bills of the world, the Austin Rivers, the um, at Marcus Teagues at the time, Mike Kidd, Grill Chris, those are guys that were kind of like a year or two older than me. So I was just watching everything that they did and I mimicked it um, as far as how they carried themselves. And uh, so it was, you know, it, it was a lot of pressure, but the biggest thing for me was I'm, I was trying to create a new, uh, I was trying to create a new uh, value or I'm trying to create something new for my family um, coming from the situation that we came from, uh, not, you know, parents to giving everything that they could to make sure that we had a great life. Um, you know, I wanted to be able to change that and give back to them and help, help change our lives one day with, you know, with the money, the money part. Uh, but for myself personally, I also wanted to make it because I knew that the odds were kind of stacked up against you and, you know, coming from this, the little town that I come from, nobody's made it out there. Um, so it was a lot of things that kind of went into it that, that really motivated me to want to, to want to make it. And the pressure kind of just became quiet. Yeah, that's a good point. Cause I think when you have a purpose greater than, the pressures that surround you and you can tap into that, you can do like really special things when you know what's driving you every single day. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So you went to Virginia after high school, a big time ACC school, big competition, but did you have anyone guiding you on how to take your game to the next level? My cousin was playing with the bears at the time. Um, he had won a championship with the uh, New Orleans saints and uh, he just understood what it took to be a professional and, um, he just retired actually as of a year ago, um, 12, uh, was it 12, 11 year career, maybe, um, you might have to check that I'm drawing a blank, 
but uh, he, he he knew what it took as a pro, so I moved out there and stayed with him and uh, worked with a shooting coach by the name of Steve Pratt out in Wisconsin. Um, he was super close to Chicago. So he would drive down to see me and work out with a, a strength coach, strength and agility coach, Tommy Shepard out there in Chicago. And we just locked in for the summer and um, got up a lot of shots, uh, you know, fixed my body, doing everything I could to become faster, jump higher, and then came back uh, my junior year with the vengeance, with a, with a target on my back that I put there. <laughs> and, uh, and, and everything worked out. I had no clue that I was going to leave my junior year wasn't even my focus. My focus was to just come back and, and to make sure that we continue to ride off of what we just created the year before, which is the championship and uh, six man and all of that. I wanted to make sure that I took things up another level and uh, those guys helped me. And I just didn't look back coming back into the season. You know, I thought you said something really important there when you were talking about when you started to work out with your cousin that summer and, and of course you got to work hard, right? But he, you said that he, taught you the, some of the little things you need to lock into you know in terms of acting like a pro or some good habits what are some of those things he taught you yeah great question I mean things that I still apply to this day um as a young as a young and I didn't I, I would I would wake up and not eat breakfast and go to the gym and I could windmill or I could go between the legs and dunk and shoot threes and go to a full workout kind of on an empty stomach and then after that maybe eat something like a sandwich and kind of keep it pushing um, that was the first thing that we <laughs> he established when I went out to Chicago with him is we were up at like 8 a.m. 8 every morning. Um, and not only were we up, I was waking up to the smell of great food. His wife, um, Jess, she would make us food every morning and uh, come down. He had, he had his two kids at the time. They were just babies. They're growing up now. But, um, you know, wake up, eat breakfast. And this is the first time that I would wake up and like breakfast is on the table. Like growing up, like I said, we, we didn't necessarily afford that. It was pop tart to, you know, go pop something in for yourself. So that was huge for me. Just understanding from a nutrition standpoint, if you're going to wake up and go put in all of that work, you need to do all of the nutritional stuff. That's going to help you see the gains. Um, and then after that, <clears throat> we would go straight to a workout, come back, chill at the house. And then I, I excuse me, we'll go to our speed and agility, come back, and, you know, chill, and then we'll go do our basketball workout. So it was really the first time that we did two-a-days because we didn't really do two-a-days at, at Virginia. Um, that was my first time really, like, locking in every day consistently doing two-a-days, kind of going to the gym, coming home, going back. And uh, actually during my shooting workout, a lot of times I would go by myself, um, which was the second one of the day. But that was huge. Um, the visualization process, we did a lot of visualization work. Um, he would make me sit down with him in his basement. He had a obviously NFL player in a really nice house and we would sit down in the basement and he would kind of walk me through what visualization looks like and uh, kind of like putting yourself in situations so I could see what I wanted when I went back to college um, you know feeling that feeling of ACC championship what did it look like what did it take um, these are all things that I was fortunate to get as a 20 year old um, you know trying to figure out what it takes to be a professional athlete um, and then um, the last thing, obviously, is that I could do it. Just being around him as a pro, he's coming from the same area I am. He's from King George County. I'm from Montrose. Um, just seeing him, seeing his his dream and everything come to fruition, he's a humble guy. Just seeing it and being around it every day was just enough to give me the motivation that I can t- I can do it too. And this is not only not only that, but this is what it takes. And so all of those things. Um, where he was, it was it, I thought it maybe it was a little competitive advantage, but 
um, that's family. So, you know, I was fortunate enough to be able to have that relationship and um, to this day still thankful. And like I said, still use a lot of those theories and concepts to this day. Yeah, that's big because it, it it sounds like he not only provided the structure, right, but then he's putting meaning behind certain things because so often we hear someone say, well, you got to be mentally ready. So, yeah. okay, he puts meaning behind that. Oh, you have to be, you know, you got to eat well. Okay, here's a guy that's showing you he's putting meaning behind that. Yeah. So I think that's huge because, because when we hear your story, you know, you're giving us examples of what that means to the general, I guess, coach speak or advice that sometimes people give. And I think that's an important piece is you can say one thing. You can say, okay, this is what you got to work hard. You got to eat well. You got to mentally get ready. But you got to have meaning behind those things too. Yep. And know what it looks like. Exactly, exactly. And that's, that's another thing too you just kind of made me think about is yeah, I'm sure a Hall of Famer and Drew Brees doesn't trust just anybody on his blind side. And so when you – when he would show me or talk to me about things with visualization, the mental pre- uh, preparation that you have to have going into every game with football, game practice, I mean, everything that they do is so detailed that, like, I understood, like, what it took to be a professional just from listening to his stories of protecting <laughs> one, of the, one of the best to, to, you know, to do it and, and how – you know, how much one yard or how much one foot means. And it's like, that's a level of focus that whenever anyone taps into, I think you have an opportunity to achieve greatness. So yeah, I agree with that hundred percent. So now this, this transition from, from college to the NBA. So you finish your junior yep. year and you, you announced for the draft. Um, what was it like going through the pre-draft process? Uh, you know, what was your mindset during that time? And how did you, you know, prepare for everything? Um, honestly, I, I, I was just riding the wave. Um, I knew we were, I was coming off of a really good junior season and then I was shooting the ball at a high clip. I was obviously defending because if you don't defend, you don't play at our school. Um, you know, I, I just, I kind of rode the wave. Like I tell people all the time, this is like my brother. Um, I learned from, uh, a guy that you guys know pretty well out there in the Bay, James McAdoo, who's a champion, I think, not only on the court but off the court. Um, I learned so much from his story and his situation in, uh, at UNC. Um, and we were roommates a lot on AAU, Boo Williams. We played together. So we, I got to pick his mind. He's like a bigger brother. But uh, I learned from his situation with not leaving, um, you know, maybe after his first or second year. Um, and so I just knew that for me it was just important to, to – to, ride the wave and put myself in a position to help my family out, help myself out for the rest of my life and kind of start my career. Um, and so when I was going through pre-draft, the only thing that was on my mind is to just keep being who I am. Um, you know, Coach Bennett always would say humility is knowing who you are. Um, so for me, pre-draft wasn't about uh, trying to show the scouts that I can go one-on-one and do this and that. Like I really just stuck to what I did at Virginia, catch and shoot, run hard, be an athlete, play defense talk on defense, do all of the little things that I could do to help a team win. And um, I think that really helped me in the pre-draft. And, um, you know, a lot of teams were interested. And I was just lucky to be chosen by uh, the Mavericks and their organization. And they took me in. And that was probably easily the best moment that I've had in my young life so far. So after the Mavericks, you played on a couple teams. And then I think you came to a turning point in your career when your contract extension was declined. And for the first time, you were really in uncharted territory. And my boss would call it check time. And this is an opportunity for me now to, I remember he called me one day 
And I was kind of down about, you know, where I was at in my career when I was in Atlanta. And he said, he said, and, my, and the way that my dad talks to me is, is I, it may be different. I don't know, but my dad, he tries to make everything seem so much simpler. And uh, he's like, are you crazy? I'm like, what you mean? He's like, like, you got the opportunity to go from city to city and play with, you know, uh, or play in front of fans and these kids, they want to watch you and they want – you know, they look up to you and they see, you know, you may not be in the game, you're still in, in, engaged into the game. And whenever you get in the game, you still play as hard as you, you know, you, you're playing if you're playing starters minutes. He's like, you have an unbelievable opportunity to, to you know, continue to inspire somebody else. And when he put it like that, I was like, all right, I guess I won't trip about, you know, man, I still wish I was only with one team and never got traded and this and that. And, uh, and it was great. That was when he really stepped up for me and helped me out of my journey even though he hasn't necessarily been there because he allowed me in a time that was very trying. And like you said, gut check time, he allowed me to think about something that was bigger than myself. And, uh, and that's what honestly led to the decisions that I make to this day, as far as where I play and what is my purpose and what is my goal and chasing my goal rather than chasing anything monetary. And then that, that summer you came out here for a little bit and uh, you know, we, you and I actually met after your rookie year out in China. Um, yep. and I great remember trip. a great, great trip, man. A lot of fun. Um, but I remember like you then versus you this past summer, you know, like there was a whole lot of growth there. You after rookie year, you, I mean, you still had this, this lightness about you and this, like, it's a game, you know what I mean? Like you're just kind of having fun with it this summer. It was like, now this is a job, man. This is like, it was a, a different kind of a, a seriousness about it. Like, not that you still don't enjoy it and have fun, but you know, you, you're, what I felt from you was like, oh, he, like you get it. You know what I mean? Like you're, you're locked in. Um, even though it was like one of the most challenging times and you probably could have been in a different mindset, you were ready to roll and just like, Hey, like, let's, let's get better. This is what I need to do. Um, you know, and, and we talked through that whole, that whole time and, you had offers to go overseas, you had different things and you're like, look, I, I don't want to do any of that. What was that whole time like? What was that experience like for you? And why did you, um, you know, decide to double down on yourself and, and go the route you did? Yeah. I mean, that was, that was tough in itself just because it's like you're turning down money that, you know, you're seeing your first couple of years in your rookie deal. Um, and, and that was really tough because the people around me didn't necessarily understand what I was even thinking about. Um, and for mm -hmm. me, I knew what I was thinking about and that's all that mattered. And for me, it was, I belong in the league. Whenever I would get my opportunity to play, um, I, I knew my assignments. I knew my coverages. I knew personnel. Um, I would step into shots and, and start knocking them down at a, at a better clip because I knew the work that I put in on those DMPs after games, going and still shooting at the gym, you know, 11 o'clock after a whole game because I didn't play. Um, I knew I had put in the work. And so for me, it's, I didn't put all of this work in just to chase a dollar. I put all of this work in to, to get an opportunity to help a team. I talk to people all the time about Robert Ory's shot in the, in the off against, uh, uh, was it the Lakers at the top of the key? And, uh, and it's like, you live for those, you live for those moments when you're a guy in my situation. You don't, for me, I, I, as much as I would love to be able to switch with Bron or, you know, uh, Kawhi or some of the best in our league, to be able to have Giannis's 
length and athleticism and IQ and uh, you can't. And so what you have to do is you have to look at yourself in the mirror every day and say, how can I be my best self? And when an opportunity comes, um, I'm prepared. Um, and a lot of people say that, you know, those big shots that, that, that guys make that are not necessarily the faces of the team, you know, we all know Bron. Bron is not, Bron's not worried about passing, uh, passing up the last second shot to an open teammate. Uh, we all know what Steve Kerr did with Jordan. I mean, we see these guys constantly, and some people try to say, oh, that's love. My high school coach used to tell us, love favors the prepared mind. And so for me, it's like I live for those moments to help a team get over the hump um, just because of my preparation, just because of my focus, um, and just because of my perseverance through everything. I think that's what's going to make, for me personally, with my career, and I hope it happens, um, I think that's what's going to make me have a wholesome career something that when I look back at when I played the game of basketball one day as an older fellow, I can be very proud of the things that I've kind of overcome to get to the moments and to be in the moments that hopefully I see the opportunity and, and step through or come through and help a team win at the highest level. Um, and, and even if it's, you know, on the bench, whatever it is, I just want to win. I want to win at every level. And that's the hunger and that's the burning desire that I have uh, for the game. And so I won't stop until – until I get that, unless, unless my path is taking me down another route and teams are just like, yeah, no, we don't want you, um, then, you know, that's where I want to be and that's what I'm going to keep working my butt off towards. And, and what's something what's something you're most proud of on your journey so far? Uh, I would have to say the playoffs. I mean, like, <laughs> I've played basketball my entire life. It doesn't just felt like the playoffs. And I think it's, what is it, I've played – three playoff series, I believe. And I think I maybe won like seven games total. Um, so let's say we played three playoff series and it's about 10 or 11 games total. Compare that to all of the games that I've played in my lifetime. It's like 11 and a thousand and something. And it's like those 11 games, I'll take those 10 times out of 10. Like that environment, that atmosphere, that camaraderie, when you look to your left and right, everybody's locked in. Um, I think that's the proudest moments that I've had in my career just because it's like this is what it's all about like it all comes down to these these moments and like I couldn't imagine um what the what champions and guys who kind of get the hoist up the trophy at the end of the final I couldn't imagine what what they what they went through during the whole series in order to get there and then also what they felt uh once they're there like I got the chance to talk to Norm Powell uh at UCLA, we were playing pickup, and I was like, man, what is it like, man? He's like, man, we still partying. And I was, I was like, hey, that was like a month ago. It's like, but you, you know, you're just super happy about you know, all of that work and everything kind of put comes together and, you know, it, it, it just clicks. And I, that's something that I'm, like, really striving for, but that's probably the most proudest moments is just those playoff atmospheres. Philly was crazy, man. Like, the, the, those fans, like, they're crazy. They're super crazy. Like, they just they, – they're passionate about their sports, man. Yeah. That's for sure. How would you describe yourself as a human being? And then how would you describe yourself as a basketball player? Like when you show up every day, what are we getting from you as a human being? What are we getting from you as a basketball player? Uh, as a human being, uh, uh, first talkative, like I like to be able to try to boost the energy of whatever building and everything that I'm in. Um, I know for me before, like people have told me that sometimes it's a gift and sometimes it's a curse and I'm still in the, uh, place in my life where I'm trying to find the perfect balance between the two. Um, but I just love energy, um, being around everybody kind of being upbeat, excited about that day, excited about that practice and game. Um, around my friends, just like being able to just give, give, give and 
not care about whatever I get back in return. Um, just like, I just like other people around me being happy. Um, so I can feed off of their energy. Um, love my family. My nieces and nephews are coming up behind me and putting the pressure on me to, to keep thinking about if I want to have a kid anytime soon. Um, but big in the family, um, games, love video games. Uh, just, I, it's like a, it's weird. It's like a up-tempo chill, I guess. It's like, I'm chilling, but like, I like to be lit wherever I'm at chilling. Um, and then as a player, um, I just want to win. I want to win and have fun, um, compete. I love competing. Like right now, me and my boy are playing one on one because we can't we can't do anything else in quarantine. So we went and bought a basketball court and um, just being able to play one on one and beat them and stuff like that's super fun to me. Um, but at the same time, you just you're getting exercise, you're having fun, doing everything at the same time. Um, but I don't know, like, this is, this is like one of the hardest questions for me to answer because you're forcing me to talk about myself. But, um, I mean, I guess that's what you get from me as a player and a person, I guess. If you had to hang your hat on one thing, like if, if, if I'm putting you in the game, what can I expect from you skill level wise? Or like, what, like, what do you like? I, I can give you this every night. What is that? I'm gonna play hard every night. I'm gonna play hard. Like, I don't know. I just. I just got a thing that, like, if I'm lined up against somebody who thinks that they can score me, like that, that just gets me going. Um, I'm just, I'm just compete every night. I'm gonna compete. I love it. What do you think? It, like, what's your focus right now? I mean, I know you want to get back. We've talked about it. Like, you're, you feel like you understand your role. What do you think that role is now? And what do you feel like you have to do to get there? Yeah, uh, we, we didn't talk much about G League, but. G League was huge for me because it was it was an opportunity, even though it was a tough decision to make. I mean, you know, when you talk about not caring about the money that you're making, like I was making less than like everybody in my family, I was making like nothing. And especially because the season got cut short, it's even less. Um and, and I didn't get picked up at the beginning of the season, so it's even less than maybe my teammates. Um I probably maybe got paid the least amount of money on my team this year, actually. Um but the G League was huge for me because it was an opportunity credit to the coaches in Toronto, to the coaches in New York. They really wanted it for me. They, they wanted me to be able to figure out um, what it took to get back. And so it was, I was super lucky and super fortunate to be a part of two great organizations. Um, but the biggest thing for me in the G League this year was just the confidence aspect. Like some nights I know I will score a lot of points, whatever. Um, but for me, it was really the little things like, uh, the, you know, playing defense and guarding. I remember Bacon, Dwayne Bacon had got sent down from Charlotte for a while and um and, and like I'm used to going against guys in the G League every night, but whenever I got an opportunity to go get to NBA guy, excuse me, I uh, I really took the challenge personal. So I didn't get an all star break this year. I went to play USA basketball and I came right back from USA and we had uh Greensboro Swarm with Bacon who had just came off of forty fifty points and forty seven points. And I knew he was in a great rhythm and I wanted to do everything that I could to get back and play. And they told me I couldn't play at first, but I'm like, I'm like, yo, like, come on. Like I can just fly from DC right to, to New York and I can play the same night. And so they let me play. And I just took that challenge personally. Um, and we ended up winning and uh, played well. I think it was like a plus 33. And like that, that, that part of the stat sheet was my favorite part of the game. It wasn't about anything else that I did. Um, 
It was just the fact that I was able to lock in and mentally overcome. I'm tired. I'm fatigued. I just played. I didn't get an all-star break. And just mentally overcoming all of that stuff to lock in and help my team win against a team that was, you know, playing well at the moment. And uh, so all of these things are, are little things that I can learn for whatever, wherever I'm going to be in my journey. Um, you know, whether it's the NBA or whatever the case may be, these are little things that I got the opportunity to learn from firsthand playing a lot of minutes, you know, that I can, I can allow to translate to wherever I am. And I think that's why the G League season was so huge for me because it allowed me to play my game consistently every night, 30 minutes a night or whatever the case it was um, to allow myself to become confident in who I am in those 30, 30 plus minutes. So whenever it's time to get back and complete, compete at the highest level, my goal is to take some of the lessons that I've learned and continue to apply them and try to put myself in a position to help a team in the NBA uh, to get to the playoffs and hopefully the finals. But, you know, we're just taking it one step at a time. I hope I'm, I hope I've learned all my lessons that I needed to learn um, in order to stay and maintain a career in the NBA. Um, but if there's more, I'm open to it, to, to, to listening and I'm open to learning from them and just continue to strive for where I want to be. And, and one thing you've done that's really impressive in the G league is, is look the G League to be show to be able to show up focused and ready and prepared every single day is very difficult because of just the general obstacles that you have. You know, like you said, it could be not getting paid as much as you want to get paid in comparison to others. It could be the travel. It, it's it's the early flights. It's it's the the hotels that are just kind of whatever. Yep. It's the you have a certain gym time, and maybe you're not even in a gym. You might be in a YMCA. Yep. yep. And and some places are better than others, as you've experienced. But but there's so many, you know. And there's a lot of people that just want to get out of there. It's a place that people want to get out of usually. And, and to show up every day, it's almost like you're building that habit too. Because yep. at the end of the day, you know, scouts don't care. You know, they're just going to see the product on the court. And you, it's like you got to take ownership of that every single night. You're absolutely right. That's like one of the biggest lessons that I learned is that in order for this thing to work out, I have to be two feet in. I can't be, I'm doing this, I'm trying to go and score a certain amount of points every night for a call-up. It's not, I'm trying to, you know, be the man on the team. And, like, I couldn't, if I cared about that, then I would I think I would have probably got lost. And I, I credit John Jenkins, someone who played in the, G League as well for quite a bit. Um, you know, he I talked to him a lot about what is it like and I asked him probably 101 questions on, you know, how can I ma- maximize this opportunity? And the biggest thing that I took was to go here and be two feet in and try to earn the respect and trust of my teammates and coaches and, um, you know, and just be one of the guys. And that was, that was, that was big this year for me. And a few of my teammates have even reached out and told me that throughout their process. Um, and so that that's what meant the most to me is because I didn't want to come down and flex on guys because, hey, I have all this NBA experience. Like, forget that. Like, no one wants to play with anybody nor be around somebody who talks about what they've done and things like that. Like, boy, you're here with us now. So um, that was that was that was huge for me to just be two feet in. And I appreciate yourself and people acknowledging and, and, and knowing that. It's funny. You're the second person that's mentioned how John Jenkins has helped them out. Yeah. John is the goat, man. John is the goat. <laughs> John is the goat, and I don't, I, I don't use that lightly. Like John is an underground goat. Yeah, he, he, I wouldn't even say underground. Real hoopers, not real. Straight up, straight up. Yeah, real hoopers, no. He, John's, John's something else, man. Straight up, never trained with someone, never worked out with someone who works as hard as him ever in my life. Like the dude works six a.m. We at it. <laughs> Right back at it at nine. 
if you could give an example of like a, a good teammate, like what's a good teammate look like to you? Uh, a good teammate has balance. I think a good teammate understands the importance of hoops and, you know, the mental capacity of things that you're dealing with in life off the court, whether it's family, whether it's uh, relationships, whether it's food, you know, a good teammate understands the balance. Uh, they have a good passion, a huge passion for basketball, but they also have a good passion and um, for learning and understanding who your teammates truly are outside of the game, how you were raised, how you grew up, what, you know, what put you in, in love with the game. Um, a good teammate is somebody who doesn't necessarily tell you what to do. They show you. So it's like, come up to you. I'm like, yo, this play, he's overplaying back door. And literally he gets the first opportunity. He gets the back door, he back doors and crams it or, you know, gets the assist to someone else. You know, it's a good thing. You know, talking about something and actually going out and doing it whenever you get the opportunity is great. Um, and then I think the biggest thing is just someone who competes, someone who, you know, it hurts after a game when you lose a game that you weren't supposed to lose. You you don't see joking. You don't see um, someone them talking about, man, what, did you see the play where this happened and I did this? And, and like someone who truly is, in, is indulged in winning and, uh, and, and have a burning desire to win. Um, but if I had to create that off the fly, that's, that's my optimal teammate. I believe. I love it, man. Is there, is there anything else that you want to, you want to share or any, anything that you want to, you know, you got the platform? Oh man. No, I mean, obviously I'm just super grateful for the opportunity to get to work with you. Uh, we didn't even mention the opportunity of a lifetime that you gave me. Um, when, when we came, when I came out and trained with you, and then you, you call me after day one of Kobe's academy camp and you didn't have to do this at all. And I'm just hanging out in L.A. working out and uh, or excuse me, in San Fran working out while you're uh, in L.A. And you call me and you're like, yo, like you trying to come to Kobe Academy? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> and you're like, uh, try to get out here as soon as you can. Like tomorrow, this time starts, whatever. And I remember my boy, Cody, that I'm, I'm with right now still. And uh he was, I told him and I was just like super ecstatic and like once in a lifetime opportunity. Cause I met Kobe once before that in pre-draft and I played against him once, but he didn't say anything to me. He just pump faked me at the elbow and got me to foul him. Um, <laughs> but I met him at pre-draft. He was talking to Byron Scott while I was doing my workout in LA. And that was kind of just like, just like light talk. And he actually stamped Coach Bennett's program at Virginia, which is like everybody hates on Coach Bennett's program. So I was like super happy that like, one of the greatest to ever touch a rock was like, yo, I like what you guys do. Um, but when you called me and you said like, you want to come up here and I was like, wow, like this is legit. Like this, like once again, this is what the work that you put in for, um, this is, this is the payment for that. And I was just super, like, I, I, I ain't gonna lie, bro. Like when I first saw Kobe, like, and he was just like super natural, like he's like a cool uncle, man. But I was just like, <laughs> I was in awe. I was just like, dang, like it's crazy that I'm here. And obviously rest in peace, Kobe, uh, but you gave me a memory that um, just from working together, you gave me a memory that I'll never forget and something that I'll forever, you know, have a story to share with you. And I'm super gracious that you treat my people, my friends and everything super cool whenever we, we all come to the gym. So um, just super thankful. And, uh, and, and, and that's it. Oh, man, I, I appreciate that. No, it was, yeah, it was, it was a cool thing too. That's the first time I ever met him. Um, and, you know, thankful for Phil Handy for, you know, bringing me out there and, and let me be a part of that. And, uh, 
you know, I think it helped because I was kind of kind of helping AG with the, you know, getting there and getting it all set up and everything. And uh, so I think he, he extended it my way. But, you know, we were there and they were looking for some bodies. And, you know, I just seen the work you've been putting in all offseason and your mindset and your approach and where you were at. And I felt like, um, you know, you, you're there. Um, so I know not always does the opportunity present itself when you're actually ready for it. But part of that battle is staying ready all the time. And uh, I feel like that's what you've been doing this whole year. And your approach hasn't changed at all. You know, being in the G, you're still sending me film going, yo, man, this doesn't feel right. And I'm like, yeah, 40. What are you talking about? And then I watch and see see what you're saying. You know I mean? So like your, your attention to detail on yourself and not accepting like, hey, 40 was a good night, right? Like I could have had 50. Um, and, and that approach is going to be what, what keeps you around this game a long time. So, uh, no, thank you for coming on, man. Mike and I really appreciate you doing this and yeah, very thankful to, you know, have crossed paths with you. Yeah, for real. Thanks for your time. Yeah. Great. Thank you both. I appreciate it. Justin showed that he's a true professional and has handled the ups and downs of the NBA journey with humility. He is committed to bringing his best self to each team and do what it takes to help his team win. This is the growth that I saw in Justin this past offseason. This was a true understanding of what it takes to win, and he had it in him all along. He just found out how to tap into it and how to sacrifice a little bit more of self and I for we and team. You look at Justin now in the bubble playing with the Nets, you can see a guy who's willing to do whatever it takes to win. It's been a joy to get to know Justin, to work with him, and I'm excited to see what the future holds for him. I love how Justin shared with us that story of him talking to John Jenkins and the advice he gave him about being in the G League and looking at that as an opportunity and being two feet in with wherever you're at and taking advantage of that. And I think that's a big thing we can all take away is wherever we are at, let's just be all in right there. And we can choose how we want to look at it. It can be an opportunity. It can be a challenge. But whatever it is, it's our choice of how we frame it in our own mind. Please remember to like, comment, subscribe, and share this podcast. Thank you for listening. Our show was produced by Ellie Lieberman and Bianca Turner. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram, at Mental Buckets, at UPB Training, and at Pat Turn with three Ts. Special thank you to Bennett Christensen for the beat and sound engineering.